Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that we may spoil the plot for you. Enjoy. It's the Prince of Persia. I don't know what tune that is. I was thinking of, um, you know, in Flight of the Concords, there's that song, The Prince of Parties. Oh, yes. Of that yeah. one, but I couldn't quite remember the whole melody, so it wasn't enough for me to go on. <laughs> oh, so how how are you today? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad, actually. You know, the, the football is over. We didn't win the the World European Cup. I did actually watch the game on Sunday, which is like the first time that I've watched a football game, probably as an adult, if I'm honest. And I did fall asleep at about 10 o'clock. But that's only because I'd played two games of baseball that day and I was knackered. So it wasn't because it was boring. I did actually sort of engage with it. What you're saying is that you cursed the team to lose and that everyone should aim their anger at you. Yeah, it, it's definitely my fault. So all of you you guys <laughs> on, on Twitter who are tweeting racial slurs at all the players and stuff, why don't you channel that energy towards me? Come at me. <laughs> it's all Paddy's fault. I'm hashtag hashtag Paddy the Italian. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am Italian. This is what I'm yeah. here to reveal. I'm Italian and it's my fault that we lost the world. You world make European it a Cup. pizza pie. You watch it a calcio match. Yeah, and then uh, I hate a calzone, <laughs> and then you do cheer on his England lose. Genuinely, I love Italian food. I make Italian food most of the time. Oh yeah, so no one understands. You know, there's that thing where you think you might be a, might be a little bit Italian somewhere, but then you look at your ancestry and it's all Irish and Scottish and it's all potatoes. So maybe it's actually just a reaction <laughs> against that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's the Irish in you. It's like, no, cannot see England succeeding. This is true. This is true. I feel the same about Eurovision. I always want Ireland to do well, even though nine times out of ten, it's going to be Jedward. I wish. The, the issue with Ireland at the at Eurovision is they so often choose incredibly boring ballads. Yeah, like, a boring get, ballad get is not going to win unless you're Portugal. If, well, you should have known this. The problem is that they boring ballads did used to win all the time and it's a disgrace to music ballads are the worst form of music there are no good ballads you heard it here <laughs> no, first you don't no. you've never liked a ballad i would do anything for love except sing a ballad <laughs> what about purple rain that's a ballad right <laughs> it's, it's but it, equally it's nine minutes long that automatically makes it prog rock Right, that's true. So if a ballad is what under five minutes, four and a half minutes, what's the ballad cutoff? That's <laughs> yeah, a film, isn't it? Ballad's cut off. If it's if it's under five minutes, it's a ballad. If it's over, then it's um prog rock. Like Pink Floyd, every Pink Floyd song is a ballad, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Especially money. That famous <laughs> sort of upbeat famous. jazzy jam about having lots of money. 
and Money. flying in an airplane. It is great. I wish that I had lots of money. That's how it goes. Yeah, there's that, that's but the... it's about ten minutes long, and then there's a baseline that everyone knows. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. The, the, welcome to the music theory cast, where you learn facts like all ballads are bad. <laughs> Important facts that we learned in music school: ballads are not good. Or from our genuine experience of being in bands and playing ballads. I realise now that every time we were playing the ballads, you were hating it. I was I was secretly thinking of ways to murder everybody on stage and in the crowd <laughs> every time we played a ballad. Yeah, I'm glad that that never came to fruition. <laughs> I guess there's still time. Not yet, not yet. There's still Once time. We, if we ever get back to playing live music again, then yeah, I'll be, I'll be worried for my safety in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If the COVID doesn't kill you, I will. Yeah. Um, no, I jest. Ballads are the worst form of music, but I don't hate all ballads. No, the thing is that most ballads are bad, but some are ext- some are good, and those are extremely good, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you have a good ballad, you can't beat a good ballad. But like nothing so else often... matters. <laughs> exactly, the greatest ballad. Um, or gen- um... genuinely, this is one of my favourite ballads, and it's Metallica's big ballad. I know it seems strange, but like it's it's a song I have a big connection to and feel a lot of or, nostalgia for or equally one by metallica if you don't listen to the last few minutes <laughs> yeah could be considered a ballad yeah um uh, one yeah, i'm I, less keen on because it's all about boring war war stuff war and it's got war is bad yeah of stuff. course it i don't is. like that starts um, with gunshots not good on that <laughs> um my favorite song about war is civil war by guns and roses because you get to hear axel rose say what's so civil about war anyway that's kind of a ballad <laughs> isn't is, it that one? Is, it starts out like a ballad sort of sort of ballady it's like a sort of southern rock song isn't it yeah um no in, in terms of great ballads you've got um the power of love by frankie goes to hollywood which i think is an all-time great yeah. and it gets it gets stuck with uh, being a Christmas song, yep. and also with very insipid cover version ballads. Yeah. Also, time. rule if if your ballad can be covered for a Christmas advert by a young person with a warbling voice that's overproduced and sucks the life out of it, then it's probably actually a good ballad originally. <laughs> but it then becomes the worst kind of ballad, the yeah. cover ballad. Um. Yeah, your exactly. song, Elton John, Ballad or Not. Yeah, that's Welcome a, to that's the Ballad or Not podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Ballad or Not. Um, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, is that a ballad? Ooh, interesting. Because it's it, quiet, but I don't know if I'd consider it a ballad. It's quiet, it's slow, it's emotional. It could it, you, you could argue for it. I wouldn't necessarily say that it is, but I think you could you could make a convincing case for it, couldn't you? You could. I, I wouldn't necessarily. If you, look, if you look back at the Johnny Cash original, then I guess, and yeah, <laughs> the Johnny Cash original, then covered <laughs> by Cheryl Crow, then finally covered by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, contemporary ballads. I mean, you could you could go back to traditional ballads as well, couldn't you? You know, um, sort of like oral storytelling. Murder ballads. That's the kind yeah. of thing that you like. As a as <laughs> exactly. a murderer yourself. As a murderer myself. 
<laughs> or should um, sorry, should I say aspiring murderer? <laughs> you don't know if I have murdered before. How many bands was I in before I knew? This is true. Yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, I haven't um, seen the other members of the Domino Cut in a long time. To be fair, <laughs> they're all dead. Every single one of them. Um, <laughs> Just like yeah. a lot of people in the film Prince of Persia. There you go. There's oh, there you go. Nice segue. Yeah, everybody dies in Prince of Persia, but then but no it doesn't matter because you can go one. back in time. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so every so, time anyone dies in this film, you're just thinking, yeah, well, he's just going to go back in time, isn't he? So whatever. <laughs> I don't care that Gemma Arthurton just fell into a massive pit hilariously. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk video games for a moment. So Yeah. Well, this, that, that's allowed in this episode because it well, it's, it's allowed anyway because it's our show and we can do what we want. But like, this is a film based on a video game. So we can do that. It is. So Prince of Persia, The Sounds of Time is a film but also it was a video game that came out in 2003 and this is the one that introduced the winding back time mechanic and basically the beginning of this film as far as i remember it is pretty much the same as the game that you break in you find this dagger and it allows you to turn back time for a short amount of time um which is a great mechanic in a video game because if you make a mistake just wind it on back or if yeah, and it's really used in a lot of creative ways in the game itself. And then there was there was two follow-ups called Warrior Within, where it started getting all emo. Um, he started getting sassy and, and listening to, to Slipknot. Um, and then the Two Thrones was the final one out of that initial trilogy. Warrior um, Within sounds like more like a Creed song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Warrior Within. Um, <laughs> Um, but but as a as a video game mechanic, it works really well. When you then translate that to a storytelling mechanic in a movie, things get a little bit trickier. And I think initially initially it works very well because you see, oh, he's been able to turn back time. If he could turn back time, if he could find a way, he'd save someone from an angry snake. Is what you learn <laughs> from uh, from these films. But of course, but unfortunately, that does... his name is Jake. <laughs> exactly um but uh but but towards the end of the film you're right um you realize well he's gonna wind back time so if anyone important does die within that time window it kind of takes the the impetus out of it but i think it it does a good enough job of um of of shuffling along and there's lots of silly action set pieces um there's lots of white people playing persians uh we'll talk more about that issue yeah later as you've put um, your name on today's recording as a white hollywood man yeah and and this is a this is a perfect example of um yeah whitewashing in hollywood isn't it um, yeah which has its own wikipedia page by the way oh does it wow yeah. Excellent. there's a really really good list of um list of films on there i actually wanted to read you the very last entry i'm going to get it up again the very last entry because it ends on a really really special and interesting one yeah whitewashing in film here we go the last entry is the year of living dangerously 1982 in the drama film actress linda hunt plays a male chinese australian dwarf (laughs) oh my god (laughs) we i think we need to watch that don't we yeah, I've no idea what this film is. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, let's get on it. Um so um but yeah, so 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 Prince of Persia I think comes across one of the big issues when it comes to adapting a video game into a movie, which is 
what is the central sort of um, gimmick of the game that people tie themselves to? Is that something that can be translated well into another medium? Mm. Um, and the answer is probably not where there's other bits of this which work incredibly well which is running around with swords stabbing people yeah whilst adventure music plays and and, and quippy back and forth dialogue um all and of ben that kingsley. <laughs> ben kingsley all of which are very important parts of the video game genuinely i think it's an iconic performance from ben kingsley as the <laughs> the the sneaky villainous <laughs> uncle i think it's the role he was born to play i think he's fantastic and he he carried the film for me if i'm honest yeah yeah um i i would say that i don't necessarily think any of the performances are bad um i think no. this was this was being sort of build up as a new franchise for disney um yeah. where i don't Alfred know Lamina, how... he's totally trying to do captain jack sparrow in persia yeah. isn't yeah. he yeah exactly um the, the most unrealistic film about these white people playing people from historic persia with um with time travel in is that there's this libertarian society um that's isolated from the rest of the world and none of them are pedophiles <laughs> um it's just totally unrealistic um but yeah he so um a, li- a little synopsis for people who haven't seen it um there's uh there's these and it cheeky... might be useful for, i've i have seen it but i still would find it useful so please <laughs> okay yeah. okay so there's these these cheeky persian lads um they're <laughs> off have, they're off to watch the football <laughs> they've had their cheeky nandos <laughs> and then they're like you know what let's go and invade some places um it turns out that it seems as though um, there's this other civilization nearby which is building weapons for their enemies. So off goes these cheeky Persian lads to um, to go. It's the Iraq and War, basically. Them. They've been told that they've got weapons. <laughs> yeah, of mass they've, destruction. they've they they've been Iraqed, basically. <laughs> um, so off go Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays Dastan, who is our Prince of Persia, as the film often. <laughs> reminds us so i think the, to- the number of times that they say the phrase prince of persia very knowingly is three i might have missed one um Sounds about right. the best one is at the end of he says you are a true prince of persia <laughs> true prince of persia yes <laughs> um so um yeah so old um uh, old, 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 uh, old Jake Hall is das- Dastan, and he is our hero. He was not born a prince, but instead was made a, a stepbrother to the other princes by the king because he was a cheeky street urchin Aladdin. Imagine Aladdin, but stabbing people yeah. instead of just being. Well, that's sassy. faithful to the source text, right? Because if I remember rightly, the Prince of Persia game opens with the phrase, one is not born, but becomes a prince. Interestingly enough. Have you ever played the original Prince of Persia? No, I haven't. I was going to ask you if you had. I, it's not a game <laughs> franchise that I that was part of my life growing up. I think I played it played it at a friend's house once, maybe, where they'd had one of the ports to a different system. But I never had it. I never had it. So to prep for this, I played a little bit of the. I got hold of the Game Boy Advance version of Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. It's rubbish. I can imagine that a Game Boy Advance port of that game is not very good. Was it based yeah. on the movie as well? No, or no, it... this is the, the 2003 It game. was based on the 2003 game, yeah. I can't imagine that was yeah. good. Um, but just so... to, to shoehorn in some talk about Castlevania, I, I have recently played through Castlevania Circle of the Moon, which was the Game Boy Advance one, and it was the launch title for the Game Boy Advance. I've played through it three times on some of the different modes, and it is so good. 
it is um, it might just be nostalgia because it was the game I got with my Game Boy Advance and I was so into it at the time but having just played through that and its mechanics are good its graphics are good the music is insanely good a game like Prince of Persia which is very similar just like it just seems like they phoned it in Circle of the Moon is amazing and now having played a similar similar game from a similar time but was part of the Prince of Persia series absolutely awful and I wonder if maybe it's my nostalgia for that particular game, but I think they made a lot of games in that era that were rubbish. And Prince of Persia, The Sounds of Time might have been one of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, Game Boy ports or, or, or portable device ports in general of other games often have a history of being extremely bad. Um, so I'm not surprised. Um, but the first cast, the first Prince of Persia, rather... Um, it actually dates back to 1989, Prince of Persia. That's how old it is. Yeah. Um, and it was it was made by one bloke. Um, uh, for so that is an amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah. For, for Apple computers, and the way that he built his um, his main character, the Prince of Persia, was using rotoscoping, which I don't know if you're familiar with rotoscoping. Yeah, it's that that like um animation technique that's on some films like Scanner Darkly and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they did that to try and make the animation more fluid. And basically I think the Prince of Persia was played by the developer's brother wearing a set of pajamas. Um and then they used that to build the model. And it's it's a it's a rock hard platforming game, um, with really difficult sort of like combat and, and platforming and puzzles and everything like that. And there's a really strict time limit on it. Um, so I think it's it's an hour um you have to complete the game. Um but it yeah, it started off this great series of games. Um but uh, but yeah, it all kind of petered out to be replaced. Essentially, Ubisoft came to to own the property, um, and they eventually kind of replaced that kind of game with um, with uh, Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, which also had... I feel like it's it's an unloved franchise, isn't it, Prince of Persia? In game wise, like there probably were some people who played it as kids and loved it, and that like they managed to just like crank out a few more to keep those people happy. But I don't feel like it's really one that's a big deal anymore or that people really look back on that fondly no you're 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 completely wrong there paddy i'm afraid (laughs) well you're the video game person you tell me you're 100 wrong the trilogy that was uh, the basis for prince of persia the sands of time is held up as one of the greatest trilogies in video game history particularly the first game is seen as one of these all-time greats that revolutionized 3d platforming and 3d combat games um is i'll have to try and get hold of one that isn't a game boy advance yeah yeah don't play if if it didn't initially release on a game boy advance don't play a game boy advance port of any other game literally no point um but yeah prince of persia the sounds of time the game is held up as one of these great examples that really changed the face of um of, of of gaming really just a really really great game um and the two games that followed it did well but um eventually yeah it 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 sort of petered out a bit um, they they made a game back in 2008, um, and I'm not sure if they made one after that. Um, that might have been the last one before then. Um, they um, then ended up sort of moving on to Assassin's Creed, um, right, which is yeah. a shame. Um, so it also has a film, doesn't it? It with does, yes, with, with Michael Fassbender. 
Um, there is a remake slash remaster of Prince of Persia, The Stands of Time that is coming at some point, but it's been delayed and there isn't a release date on it at this moment in time. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, but it is yeah. Particularly those three games are very well received by video game fans, and they're still held up as these great examples of gaming. Um, which is why Disney wanted to take the plunge um, and make them into the new um, the new uh, Pirates of the Caribbean type thingy and have a little adventure. Um, I did not realize that this was Disney until you brought it. You said let's watch it, and then I was looking into it. I was like, Disney made this really. <laughs> Well, yeah, D- Disney was looking for for things to own and then to suck the life out of. They really, yeah, at this point had beaten the the ragged corpse of the dead horse of Pirates of the Caribbean dry. Yeah, ex- is that the, exactly. Is that the expression. <laughs> they they had drunk all of the rum that was part of that franchise to go back to that franchise um but you look at things like this like john carter they were looking for ways to create more action heavy sort of teen movies that was a big flop wasn't it john carter John Carter was a big flop as well and then eventually of course they bought star wars and then uh suck that dry uh, so um <laughs> I think they're they're still they're still sucking that one dry. They're well, yeah, Star, Star Wars is is going to last forever, isn't it? They're just going to keep going with it and and never yeah. take any risks. Um, <clears throat> Palpatine's we... never going to die. He's always going to somehow rise from the dead. No, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, it's so, always going to be him. So they went on and they bought. Um, obviously, they bought Marvel. Um, they bought Star Wars, and that's kind of filled that void for them incredibly well. You know, th- this came out two years after Iron Man, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe was still in its infancy. Um, and yeah, it, they they don't need anything else now. They've got Marvel and Star Wars, do they? I mean, I'm sure they will because Disney's eventually going to own everything, including this podcast. They'll find but, something um... else. They don't own Airbud. <laughs> Airbud Entertainment is still a separate entity for now. Yeah, even though they produced them, I think Airbud Entertainment somehow is still sort of over there. Not that they've done anything for a while, Airbud Entertainment. It's because via a tax loophole is actually owned by the fictional dog. Yeah, who's dead? <laughs> well, no, no the, the, the real, you know the this, real the dog. Yeah, the real dog yeah. is dead. Airbud. The original Airbud from the first film was actually the real dog who really did learn to play basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm talking about the fictional Airbud of the movies, not the dog who played Airbud and who also could play basketball. Um, have you seen Airbud Spikes Back? No, is that that's not the football one? No, that's no, World that Cup. Is, that is uh, the which one is volleyball? Oh, volleyball. One yeah, from two thousand and three. Yeah, do I you see... wear spikes in volleyball, or is it a Spike, reference spiking to like a is a reference thing? to bashing it? When you right. when you when you go up for a volleyball and you bash it down so no one can 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 get it back up again, that's a spike. Right. So um, so you get knocked down, but you can't get up again. Yeah, <laughs> they will always keep you down. Um. Anyway, right. Where were we? Prince of Persia. So yeah, our, our cheeky Persian lads. They they go and they go and do an Iraq war. Um. But it turns out that it was all a ruse. Um. Along the way, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal picks up this magic knife that it turns out can turn back time. So he is then framed for his dad's death. He runs away with Gemma Arterton, um, also meant to be playing someone from Persia. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And, His dad's uh, death in like a flaming poison robe, which is quite yeah, a good. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's video a, gamey death, isn't it's it? A, it's a good death. I don't know if it's based on historic deaths in terms of putting poison or acid inside clothes and and assassinating people. It's slightly more interesting than putting some poison in some wine, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then. Boring. <laughs> And then, yeah, they go off on a, a, a Rick Rollicking adventure where they try and clear his name, find out who's behind the assassination. Uh, spoiler alert, it's the obvious evil person played by Ben Kingsley. Um, <laughs> if Ben Kingsley's got that beard, you know it's going to be him who's behind the nefarious stuff. And, um, yeah, and, and it's also worth bearing in mind this movie is sort of the lion king isn't it it's the uncle is it's sort of the lion king it's sort of gladiator it's sort of a lot of things isn't it that don't quite add up to a whole yeah and and they 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 brought in some interesting elements from uh from the games like i think one of the really big successes of this is having sort of uh, the the banter dialogue back and forth between the princess and the prince, um, which makes up a big part of the Prince of Persia games at that time. Um, you do have this kind of cooperative thing going on. Um, but then, um, yeah, and, and they did that quite well in here. Like you like you said, it's various Pirates of the Caribbean, the way that they, they have this sort of witty rapport back and forth. Um, and I won't hold it against anybody involved in this because I think in general the performances are actually rather good fun. Um, yeah, you know, you don't want to be too serious about it, do you? Because it's a film of, of Prince of Persia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not you're not watching this and thinking mm, this isn't the King's Speech, is it? No, it's not Jean Luc Godard. <laughs> no, but what you get is an enjoyable, silly um, action movie. Yeah, it is. It is very, very silly. But the action sequences, you know, they're good action sequences, aren't they? It's like just when you think it, the movie might be getting into some deep dialogue or something that's interesting, suddenly there's an attack and they're all jumping and flipping with swords and people are falling in pits and there's loads of Wilhelm screams and it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It knows what kind of movie it is and it just kind of leans into that. Um, and, and you can see that, you know, in, in the fun scenes that take place, I think Alfred Molina, um, the, 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 the libertarian is probably my favorite character in this libertarian, Um, Jack Sparrow, (laughs) libertarian Jack Sparrow, um, where he's, he lives in the middle of this, of, of the desert and they've sort of built up this reputation of being this really dangerous place where no one can go. Um, but instead, um, but really, they're just like drinking and racing ostriches. Yeah, they're doing ostrich racing, and 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 he has all. It's of a bit the like best... the pod racing in them. Um, well, Phantom yeah, Menace, exactly. Um, and and he has all of the best lines of dialogue. Like he he has this wonderful little spiel saying, um, "Do you know ostriches have suicidal tendencies? Yeah, <laughs> you can't." Uh, Not so... the band. <laughs> oh, terrible band! Can I just point out suicidal tendencies? I quite um, like the side project they have: infectious grooves. The, like funk metal band Do you ever listen to them <laughs> never never listened to them i'm afraid oh they're great yeah, it's got some members of suicidal tendencies in it right, along with okay. robert trujillo who later went on to be a metallica oh right okay um yeah i'm not a fan of um any of those bands that tried to do like mainstream um mainstream sort of like industrial pop kind of thing yeah 
Um, so yeah, I ne- ne- never really got on board. That's suicidal tendencies, isn't it? They're yeah, the ones that have yeah. like the industrial um, angle to them. Or am I thinking of a different band? I think you might be thinking of something else. I think suicidal tendencies are more like a sort of hardcore band. But again, I d- I'm not overly familiar with their work either. Uh, I I know who I'm. I'm thinking of stabbing Westwood. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Tim Westwood, the big dog. <laughs> Yeah, no. stab, <laughs> stabbing westward, as in turning to face west and stab. Yeah, um, no, suicidal tendencies is a hardcore band. Oh, they're, okay. they're not bad, but in, infectious grooves is where it's at. Okay, I will I will check out both then, because um, I like a bit of hardcore punk. So I will I will give them a listen. No, I was thinking of stabbing westward, who we are a truly awful industrial uh, rock band. Um, yeah, trying yeah, to. Them- the guitarist from Faith No More, Jim Martin, he was in Infectious Grooves. Ah, well, I am a huge fan of Faith No More, so um, I will definitely be checking them out. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Infectious Grooves. I'm looking them up now. I I mean, looking at that album art, this is definitely something I need to check out. And the fact that Yeah, they've got their... this whole weird concept thing about an alien called Sarsipius, and it's all about his, <laughs> um, his life. It's brilliant. And the first song that comes up is called Violent and Funky. I mean, come yeah. on. There's a bit of... It's not a million miles away from Prince in the sort of, like, everything is funky way. way. We are funky. It's all funky. I am funky. <laughs> Okay. Oh, they also um, did a really good cover of the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Oh, excellent! Every every cover of that is better than the original. Can I just point out? <laughs> Have you heard the the Carino cover? No, I oh. would, I'm sure I would enjoy that. So that was made for the soundtrack to the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake. Uh-huh. Um, and it's her and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and it's oh, super good. Uh, the whole intro to that is kind of like a goths version of a james bond intro so it's that song with all of this weird sort of gothic imagery going on it's super great um so yeah no recommendations for this podcast go and watch prince of persia and listen to infectious grooves and listen to the carano cover of immigrant song all of which you get you get so many recommendations with this show you know it's it's not just a film show (laughs) we give you all the culture you need to to fill your life yeah we do we do um so some of it just happens to feature the papyrus font in the intro and the outro to the film (laughs) as if they did it all on word art and just kind of slapped it there on the beginning (laughs) Oh yeah, I hate that font so much. It's so ugly. It's it's truly something spectacular. Isn't I it? like cackled when I saw that. What does it say? Some legends say that men are gods in time, or whatever. Yeah, at the beginning and yeah. end of the film. It says the same text, doesn't? Isn't it? <laughs> it does. It's great. It's great. Um, so, um, so I yeah, I I really enjoy. Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Did you finish um, doing the doing the plot summary, by the way? Oh, sorry, no. So, so they, halfway through before so, I interrupted so, you with some bullshit. I'm so, sorry. So they 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 wander off, and they're so Gemma Rutten and Jake Gyllenhaal. They 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 go off, and they have their adventures to try and solve what's going on. Um, and it turns out that yeah, they they meet all these people on the way. Jake Gyllenhaal's other brothers all get killed because, of course, they do, um, and then. At the end, it turns out that it is Ben Kingsley, of course, obviously. <laughs> yes, yeah. the suspicious one. Um, they, and then they have a big fight in a big fire, like underground fire pit thing. Yeah, it's great. It's it's spectacular. 
Um, and the like weird Palpatine-looking henchman guy falls into the pit and makes a very satisfying thud as he hits a rock on the way down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. Um, and then they're able to turn back time all the way, all the way to the beginning of the film. Um, and Jake Hall's like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be enjoying murdering all of these people and, and, and having fun with the lads. Um, he manages to cool off the invasion before too much bad stuff happens. Well, the invasions happen, but before people get taken away as prisoners and all of the rigmarole starts, he's like, wait, we've been betrayed and we've been duped into doing an Iraq war here. Um, And then and he exposes evil Ben Kingsley for being evil, but doesn't really have any proof, does he? Everyone just kind of believes him. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's easy to not have to give proof when Ben Kingsley immediately attacks you. Yeah, um, that's the thing. It was, a, it was very convenient that Ben Kingsley just got the sword out. Well, um, yeah, he knew that the game was up because um, they were going to go and talk to the spy, which didn't exist. So the, the person who gave them the Iraq war in, information um, the dodgy dossier, as it were, um, it, it was all going to be found out. So he's like, well, I might as well try and kill Jake Gyllenhaal whilst I'm here. Um, but it doesn't go to plan. And then um, they um, they they sort of all go, oops, sorry, sorry, we invaded your country. Um, we'll, we'll be off. Um, and um, We'll be off, but please marry this prince yeah. who you've just met. <laughs> Yes, yeah, but it's... you spent the whole film with, but who you've just met. Yeah, but but you can. Um, we won't of... really explore that. It'll just be fine. It'll be a nice scene of them walking together. It'll be fine. Yes, but you get the idea that um, you know they they fell in love over the course of the movie in in you know really challenging circumstances, and it's a, it's a love story, isn't it? As you know, they're destined to be together. Even reversing time won't be able to stop them from from not being together. Yeah, and that's the that's the Disney effect. Yes, yeah, um, but but I but I still genuinely like that that side of the romance and the time travel stuff is actually very interesting, and that's a whole different movie that you could have made in this. That's that's the kind of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of this, isn't it? Where it's actually just like their romance and then how that carries on afterwards. Or so that could be kind of a nice sequel, I guess, if you explore them getting to know each other when he's already known her through that kind of time travel guff. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything that with time failed to do. The time traveler's prince. What? You mean um about time. About time, that's right. With time is the other one, isn't it? Or in time. What's with time? Sorry, it's in time. In time is the one in where time. have we we haven't done that. One, we we have haven't. We? No, that's a sci fi a sci fi romance thriller where Justin Timberlake lives in a society where you get paid in time, and so if you're not successful, then you die, and if you are successful, then you never die. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> Sounds like a good yes. concept, but looking at the poster, it looks bad. Yeah, it seems like it's a, an interesting concept, very poorly executed. But one of these days, we'll get round to it. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that the um, the the chemistry between Jake Gyllenhaal and Gemma Arterton is there. I think their characters work well off one another, um, and as the two sort of like core characters in the film, it does kind of work. Um, and if they weren't sort of like charming and 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 engaging to watch, then you probably would get bored of just being in the action scenes. Yeah, for sure. Although the the dialogue itself is is a lot of plot telling, sort of wooden stuff, isn't it? So at times you're like, oh, come on. But yeah, because their their performances are quite are quite good. You know, they're giving it their all. You're like, okay, I'm going along with this. Why not? 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's less about the actual dialogue and more about the, the um, more about the fact that you know that you're never more than five minutes away from like a slow mo shot of a snake's mouth opening as it comes towards someone <laughs> or something like that. Um, or yeah. Ben Kingsley walking through loads of like hardcore assassin guys training and doing assassin stuff while he's up to his evil while business. He's being evil, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's more more what's in, enjoyable about their back and forth is less the plot stuff and more just the nonsense jabber that they do be- between one another as they're attacking one another or other people. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what works really well about this is it's got that kind of, it's got that silliness, um, that lightheartedness in spite of the fact that this is a movie about war and betrayal and murdering your family and time travel it's still yeah. quite silly and it knows that it's silly yeah that's that's i think quite ultimately is watchable is because it doesn't take itself too seriously does it it kind of knows that you're going to look at the time travel stuff and go well that's all very convenient and not really explored in any depth but whatever hit the dagger and go back and unkill yourself please yeah yeah don't don't die just go back in time easy um <laughs> And that's it. That's it, isn't it? Um, but there is, there is, of course, one thing that we do need to talk about, um, which is, is this which film is racist? The Mighty Ostrich. <laughs> it went in very different directions there. Um, uh, is this it's film... racist towards um, English people and soft cockneys? Because that's what all their <laughs> accents are. They're all kind of soft cockney, aren't they? Jake Gyllenhaal, American, he's got in this playing a Persian in an English accent going, why don't you give it a try? (laughs) Which is a line of his that I wrote down. Releasing the sand turns back time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. When he's, yeah, he's first realised it and he's kind of marvelling at it. I howled with laughter at that. (laughs) Did you enjoy Jeff from Coupling? Yeah, I've never watched Coupling, but I recognise that guy. I've seen, you've seen him in other stuff. He's one of those guys you've seen in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And all of the others look like they're in Lord of the Rings, but weren't. I think it's when you see them done up with beards and long hair, you're like, Do you, were you in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Ben Kingsley should have been in Lord of the Rings. I know. He would have been great as anybody. Just give him any role. He could have done um, literally any role in that film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Saruman, Smog. Oh, that's the Hobbit. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, right. So, yeah. Racism. Yeah. Whitewashing. If you if you look up like Hollywood whitewashing lists, top ten or top twenty or whatever, this film is always on there. So I yeah. think that tells you. Uh, you it kind know. of. I, I think the term that a lot of people use to refer to it is is brown face, isn't it? Where yeah. they've, um, they're 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 using this other culture and this other ethnicity, but not hiring people within that. Um within that culture and instead you know sometimes you know making their skin darker in order to portray that 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 sort of um geographical location and i think that's an obvious example here um it's not the the worst example that disney had during this time period because also do remember they cast johnny depp as um as tonto in the lone ranger movie three years later Um, i would rather punch myself in the face than watch that film 
yeah, you've got Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. I mean, oh, yeah. how how much must you want to watch those two in a movie in 2021? Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it, it is difficult, and I think I mean basically everyone involved in it has said at some point, yeah, I shouldn't have been cast in this movie. <laughs> Which is at least they've at least they've um, they've sort of said as much, um, and I think we have come a long way in the decades since this movie came out in terms of those portrayals, or at least criticizing them openly. Um, where there was yeah. criticism of this when it came out, but not as much as you'd necessarily expect in comparison to to now. No, and when you see you see this came out in 2010, that's only 11 years ago, but so much has moved on in terms of this conversation since then that there is no way that this film would get made now. And part of that is, you know, it's it's something of, you know, what people always talk about being cancel culture and of, you know, online hate mobs on social media or whatever, but the reaction on social media that you would get now would you know it wouldn't be possible to make this film and that's there is an upside to that even though, you know, people jumping on a hate bandwagon is bad a lot of the time it has stimulated some important conversations yeah and i think there's a difference between a cancel culture bandwagon and calling out a company for racist casting i think there's a there's a big difference between the two um and you're right you know the moment that this was announced um people would say hold on you've literally got Persia in the name of the movie. (laughs) Um, Why have you cast some very, very white people in it? The only non-white person here is Ben Kingsley. Um, And yeah, I don't think they'd be able to get away with it. You know, the the main reason that this movie wouldn't be made today is because the Prince of Persia franchise um, hasn't survived in in the same sort of way that it it, it was around a decade ago um but if 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 it does have a resurgence and they did remake this movie they would need to think more about their casting choices and i think that doesn't just mean casting dev patel (laughs) because (laughs) he's he's not white and he's not black let's try and cast dev patel in this movie which is what and he is a great actor yeah yeah but but you know, um, it's not it's it's not just about skin color. I think that's one hurdle that Hollywood is still struggling with. Um, where you know, and 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 let's say that we wanted to to recast. Let's say we won the lottery tomorrow, and we decided between us, you know, what we're going to do? We're going to remake the Prince of Persia. Sounds <laughs> of time and all of our important time and money remaking Prince of Persia. The sounds of time. Never mind sensations or Wizard Cop or any of the other films in the Big Boys Don't Cry canon. Never mind lit men. You know, it's all about <laughs> Prince of Persia. The sounds of time, twenty twenty three. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I guess if you were gonna, if you were going to remake this movie now and you were going to cast someone who's from the vague geographical location i guess you'd maybe go for mina masood from the aladdin remake wouldn't you because he's from he's egyptian heritage isn't he he was born in egypt yeah and he did a great job in aladdin as well but yeah you you'd have to cast with with that kind of intent and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get someone who's a big hollywood name but no, and I, I mean know, that that that, and that tells you that Hollywood has a problem with you know, <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> that reveals a big problem with Hollywood in general is that they're not doing this kind of casting, are they? Um, so um, yeah, but you, you need to you need to look at someone like that, wouldn't you? 
to um to to have an appropriate casting decision um yeah. you know you'd need to go into outside of the obvious names you know i'm sure that if they try to remake this now there'd be someone in the casting room going oh should we get timothy chalamet in because he seems to be in, oh, every, single movie. in every single film um but um <laughs> But yeah, no, you, you'd need to cast it better. And that might be a reason why, you know, that that um, it might be a reason why Ubisoft hasn't looked at revisiting the franchise properly is that they realise they need to hire voice actors from, from that part of the world, or at least with a heritage from that part of the world. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know much about how that works in, um, people. in games, but that's actually a really good point. Is that something that is being done in other game franchises where this is relevant? Yeah, so so there has been a bigger push um, to hire people outside of... that. The world of video game voice acting is very small, um, and it's very challenging. There's been a lot of issues with um, with workplace safety and things like that, where these people are being pushed far beyond their limits. And so there's often this pool of people that, that, that are often gone to to fill these roles, but actually it's been widening a lot and people have been looking at it more critically in terms of who's being hired. Um, uh, so, you know, rather than seeing the usual um, names constantly crop up, there has been a push amongst um, certain developers at least to actually hire people who are from that background or hiring trans people to play trans characters and things like that where even if it's voice acting you know it's still important to have that kind of um, that kind of representation yeah absolutely Um, it is really important you know you look at for instance the Simpsons has been the big um, the big talking point in recent years about who voices yeah. Apu. Um, and, you know, it is, it is important to have that kind of representation. You need to have that kind of representation. Um, yeah, definitely. And things have moved on so much since 2010 in a, in a good way. So the future of these kind of films is bright, I think, in terms of representation. So that is a good thing. And, you know, the, the, the further we go down that road and the more things progress, the more films like Prince of Persia, The Sounds of Time 2010 will seem dated in that regard but it doesn't mean it's unwatchable does it no no it's not um it's not unwatchable um it's a... and jake gyllenhaal has like apologized for it hasn't oh, yeah. he? or at least he <laughs> yeah, said that yeah, it was that's... like not his best role or he yeah knew that he, it wasn't he's, the right thing uh, to he, do, he but... said outright that he shouldn't have been cast in the movie hasn't he so so fair enough i, I think everyone recognizes that now um and yeah i think like you said, as time goes on, I think we're getting going to get further and further away from all white castings or mainly white castings in movies that aren't set there um, in, in, in a historically white place. Um, So that aren't set in white Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and looking at video games actually, and um, I'm just thinking of an example from Ubisoft who should be pointed out by the way, since we're talking about Ubisoft, Ubisoft has a huge problem with sexual harassment and sexual abuse amongst its senior staff. Um, an investigation was carried out and a lot of those people still kept their jobs. Um, so fuck you, Ubisoft, you're bastards and we hate you. But when it comes to voice acting in recent games, um, the one of the most recent Assassin's Creed Odyssey games, um, Assassin's Creed games called Assassin's Creed Odyssey, was set in ancient Greece. And the, um, the actors that they chose for that were um, were sort of from that area of the world which was good so actually you know um 
um, the 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 Greek character. I think she was Greek in the Eurovision Song Contest movie. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, she played the female lead in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and right, they, they cool. also had a Greek guy playing um, the male lead in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So that's just one example where they have actually done that, and I think yeah, they, it is getting better across all forms of media. Um, but it's something where people have to keep challenging it and and, and keep yeah. pushing. And it. I think it's, it's important to acknowledge when we look at films like Prince of Persia. Yeah, we're going to laugh at it for being a shit piece, but we're, you know, it's it's important to acknowledge that this kind of problematic aspect is there. It doesn't mean you can't watch it. it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. But it's a very important thing to have in your mind when you look at these kind of films. Yeah, and it's a very different form of racism from what we normally talk about, like Rob Schneider. Uh, yeah. where where there it's this very overt deliberate racism that's played out in front of the cameras this is instead the structural racism that has become yeah. embedded in the industry that plays out behind the cameras the the racism... parts of his performance as a prince of persia are extremely funny jake gyllenhaal wasn't playing it for laughs <laughs> no <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, was, yeah. I think, you know, when you look at the racism here, this is all, the, the racism here was behind the scenes. If you look at the plot of Prince of Persia, it's not particularly racist in its portrayal because it's such a fantasy movie that it doesn't really revolve around. Like you can look at something like if the original Aladdin and you can point out the issues with its, its portrayal of that kind of um, society. Um, this is so far removed from anything yeah. <laughs> that you can't really do that. But instead, you can still notice that there's this racism that's been involved in the creation of the entire film. I don't know, man. I, I thought it was pretty problematic when, you know, the ancient society that had the, you know, t- time turning sand hourglass under the earth, that was actually somewhere else. You know, that was actually in Europe. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was in Europe. That was actually um, ancient France. <laughs> exactly so so yeah you know there's different ways to talk about race in which films. is what that share song is about <laughs> oh yeah it's uh it's all about a time in the massive central yeah i've been there have you been to the massive central yeah we, the french exchange in year eight we went to um the place that was in the massive central oh, very nice very nice um but yeah i mean that that's just something that i felt was important to to point out yeah um, definitely is you know we need to talk about these things it's this is a funny movie i think it borders on shit piece yeah i, um, I think so just because of all the like really overdone fight scenes and the kind of plot telling dialogue but i also one of my things with the shit piece is that usually you want it to be ambitious and sort of almost overly ambitious and i think there's just enough ambition here to carry it but it also doesn't take itself too seriously, which is one of the other key things. And it's a, it's a different. It's sometimes dif- difficult to balance those two things out, isn't it? But if, you know, if you look at a film like Jupiter Ascending, it does those both of those things perfectly, which is yeah, the, exactly, the archetypal exactly. shit piece that we should that is, compare every that, film to. That that is our benchmark shit piece, isn't it? Um, whereas, yeah, whereas this, it suffers a bit from Disney's restrictive hands stopping them from from doing something truly out there which is always the case yeah. with with anything made by Disney. It was surprisingly um, violent for something made by Disney. Well, yeah, like I said, they're going for the Pirates of the Caribbean angle, aren't they? By this point, Pirates of the Caribbean was still making money, but it was the movies were shit. Um, and I think they probably even... You realized. say that as if they were ever good. 
Oh, the first one is an enjoyable little pirate romp. Come oh, on. I find it tedious. Obviously. The first one's great. It's full of music. Music's the best bit. I could it's, just listen to the music without any dialogue for 90 minutes, two hours. It's 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 full of swashbuckling nonsense and and people being on boats. It's got silly pirates. It's got skeleton pirate ghosts. It's wonderful. After, it's actually uh, quite hard to see Jeffrey Rush now as not the um the guy in the King's speech. So I think, oh, he's the kind of ghost monster guy. Oh no, it's actually it's actually the speech therapist who's come to give Jack Sparrow a lesson. See, I'm the I'm the other way around where I can't see him in anything other than as Captain Barbosa from yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. So I'm sitting there watching the King's speech thinking, come on, stab him, stab the king, end the monarchy. Yeah. Um but um but yeah, I think yeah, the first Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, is is a really great, silly adventure movie. Um, immediately after that, that series of films just goes completely off the pot and gets far too up its own ass um and, and takes its law far too seriously. Um yeah. and I think and I, I had that in my head during Prince of Persia. I was hoping that I was watching it going, I hope it doesn't get bloated, you know? The Pirates of the Caribbean's films are bloated, and Prince of Persia did not at any point. It no, just had no. a lot of men screaming and running around. <laughs> yeah, snake attacks in the desert. Yeah. That's all you need. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say Prince of Persia, Sounds of Time. Bordering shit piece, enjoyable action movie. Not a great, but I'm going to watch this again at some point. 100% this is going to be watched again at some point, particularly given that it's on Disney+. Plus. If you want to see Jake Gyllenhaal being a soft cockney, what else could you want out of a movie? I can guarantee you there's no other film that has that. <laughs> has he done an English accent in any other film? I don't know, to be fair. Let's have a, let's have a little look. I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. I think he's very... Uh, yeah, I very think he's, he's been in some interesting stuff, hasn't he? Um, he's in the Spider-Man movies, isn't he? Now he plays Mysterio in the Spider-Mens. Oh, I haven't seen any of those. Um, no, I've not either because oh, there's too many Marvel films. It's I haven't seen Spider-Man since Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. Did you not see any of the, the Andrew Garfield ones? No, I've never seen any of them. I like oh, him. It's great because they add in, he's, he's a Spider-Man that, that loves lasagna and hates Mondays. Okay, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> do, do you get it? Yeah. You don't have to be crazy <laughs> to be a Spider-Man, but it helps. Because he's Garfield. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um so yeah um what, what else give me uh give me old uh jake Gyllenhaal filmography i want to see what else is in because i think he, he chooses some very interesting movies donald darko um, donald darko of course is his old breakout um oh yes the devil all the time Not um, seen that. he produced that i think the devil all the time um and also produced relic so two movies from last year which were great so the devil all the time is like a character ensemble drama based in the the southern states of america it's it's very very good it's got all sorts of brilliant people in it um and then relic is a horror movie that's also about um dementia all right it's like an allegory for dementia and 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 the passing of that down uh general through generations it's very very good um he's in velvet buzzsaw which is amazing did you watch velvet buzz no but i like that title oh it's it's like a horror comedy about the art industry 
um, and he's a art critic that's a lot like. Have, have you watched the episode of of um, of It's Always Sunny where where it's about art? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> you know how Frank's, Frank's alter ego as an he, art collector is yeah. one of my favorite performances of his. Well, um, imagine him in a horror movie. And that's what Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is in Velvet Buzzsaw. It's brilliant. Um, oh, okay. It's a truly fantastic film. I think it's on. Um, I think it's on Netflix actually. Um, but yeah, he he is, it was directed by the same guy who did Nightcrawler, which is probably Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance. Actually, I don't know if you've seen. No, um, what's that? So that is a film where he is a. He's one of those guys where he has a camera and he has a uh, a police radio and he gets footage of horrible events happening around LA and he sells it to the into TV studios. Um so it's 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 like that. So imagine imagine American Psycho but the guy goes and films like brutal murders and car crashes for tv stations and again it's about this kind of it's kind of a satire of the way that that television industry works it's really really good fantastic film um and he plays a truly horrifying character in it that sounds Um, great so yeah that that, that's another recommendation is go and watch nightcrawler everybody it's one of my favorite films ever it's really good but then but then yeah the director of that went on to then go and do this this horror satire called velvet buzzsaw um and uh, and he was in the sisters brothers as well which is a, a wonderful western with um um uh, joaquin phoenix and john uh-huh. c Riley and their um the sisters brothers and they're like these these uh these bounty hunters basically um and uh, yeah, that that that's really great as well. He's yeah, so he's done lots of really interesting, um, interesting things. Hmm. Um, but then equally, he's done stuff like Prince of Persia <laughs> and <laughs> and Life, which is basically a retelling of Alien, but made in 2017. Um, oh dear! Which is it's a it's a really fun sci-fi horror movie. It's it's really good fun, but it's just it's it's been it's it's been done before so many times yeah but i I think he's got an interesting cv as a as a hollywood guy and i'm interested to see what he does in the future you know the fact that he's been open to doing something as silly as prince of persia means that he's always going to keep you on your toes right oh yeah exactly i think i i like people who do a lot of unexpected stuff um you know i there's nothing more boring than someone who just goes for that Oscar bait film every couple of years, just making boring movies that you watch once and you think, oh, that was really good. And then you never think about it again. And what then when it does get brought up, you're like, oh, I don't really want to watch that again. You know, the movies I'm talking about. Yeah. They were directed films. by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, so no, you're um, talking about Adam Sandler, right? Yeah. I'm talking about Adam Sandler. Exactly. My main um, man. I much prefer it when people are willing to do varied stuff and take risks and do odd things and funny things and silly things alongside those more serious, um, engaging, artistic performances. And that's something that Jake Gyllenhaal does really well. Yeah. Um, and long, long may it continue because he is wonderful as an actor. I think he's really talented. Um, do more, do more weird shit. Keep doing weird shit, Jake. We love you. Yeah. We'll always support you in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Okay, so how is there anything more to say about Prince of Persia? I don't know that there is really. No. Ben Kingsley, no. iconic performance. It's silly. If you like swashbuckling, if you like Wilhelm screams, men running around screaming, lots of curved scimitar type swords or stabbing each other. If you like people falling into a big fire pit, then yeah, this is the film for you. <laughs> This is the movie for you. You want to see, you want to see Gemma Arterton smack people round the head several times. Then this yeah. is the movie for you. Um, she does some good fighting in the film too. She does. Fair. She does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, I've got a little bit of trivia. Cool. Cool. Um, so in this movie, characters are prominently seen handling apples and pomegranates. Pomegranates were considered the original apples and were symbols of strength to the Persian armies. Okay. Um, well, they did do some research. The Hassansins are actually modelled on an infamous Persian cult called the Hashanshin, um, from which the word assassin was derived, which is why they're used as assassins in this movie. Oh, okay. So those, those mysterious Dementor people actually based on a, a mystery sort of society thing. Um, so, yeah, they did a few bits here and there. Um so, um, yeah, and then this is also the year, it came out the same year that Gemma Arterton was in Clash of the Titans, which is another silly sort of sword and sandals epic. That's the remake of the fantastic 80s stop motion animation movie. Um, and uh, yeah, she plays Io in that as the sort of um, one of the female leads. And th- and that's worth watching at some point. Mm. It's not, it's not quite that. as romance heavy it's much more serious but it does involve people fighting giant scorpions so it's not too serious <laughs> okay a bit like the uh the scorpion king <laughs> yeah, exactly dwayne johnson exactly. fights a large scorpion dwayne, if i dwayne, remember correctly <laughs> he is both a large scorpion and fights a large scorpion um so yeah so that's a little bit of trivia for you but uh yeah how are we going to rank this one then let's see or well, how many Persian lads are in your party when you go to invade the holy city. Yeah, so I've got a solid uh, 13 Persian lads with me. It's a cheeky bunch. We've we've had a cheeky Nando's, got a bit rowdy, drank too much Pepsi, and now we're going to go and steal a magic a magic dagger that can drank take us too back much in time pomegranate juice so we can go back and eat more Nando's. Yep. I've um I'm going to go just one lower and go for a 12. I think this is a slight, slightly more in your wheelhouse than mine, but I did I did enjoy it. Yeah, you've got to break it up with some nonsense now and again. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, what what we're here for. This is what we do. We <laughs> we break it up with nonsense. That's what we do for your life. Exactly, exactly. So what have we got next then? Well, um We've been talking for a little while about trying to do something that's more in the vein of a classic romantic comedy, isn't it? That's, haven't we? So I think it is time for something we talked about for a long time, but we never got to, which is Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, very good. Very good. Much, much more along the lines of, you know, definitely ro- kind of romance and lots of romantic stuff to di- discuss rather than swords and daggers and time and stuff. <laughs> That's what you think. I remember Bridget Jones very differently. Maybe we didn't watch the same film. Um, Or maybe that's uh, one of the sequels that I haven't seen. So question, are we moving on to the sequels afterwards or are we sticking with the first one for now and then Um, moving on? Good question. Good question. I think let's do the first one for now and then let's discuss that afterwards because we could. In theory, we definitely could. But I think the first one is worthy in terms of the the cultural space that it occupies. Um, 
I think it's it's worthy of an episode all on its own. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Cool, marvelous stuff. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed or enjoy Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time, twenty ten, and go back and play the original game if you can get hold of it. So that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great fun. Go and go and use a sword and turn back time and fight people. If you like falling into a pit and dying, this is the game for you. <laughs> There's a lot of falling into pits and dying. <laughs> and um, yeah, you can reach us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on email Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's kind of like a tip jar, no obligation, but if you like what we do, throw us a few coins so we can buy some pomegranates. Yeah, get us on the fancy fruit train. Yeah. And we will be back next week to talk Bridget Jones's diary. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye.